You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from beautiful Central Florida. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I know I say this a lot. I sound like a broken record, but sincerely, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Genuinely, I am so incredibly humbled and and grateful when I see the the download numbers we have. At this point, we have literally uh, thousands of people that are listening to the podcast on a regular basis, which is insane to me because when I think, uh, when I started this eight weeks ago, you know, I literally had a handful of friends that were listening, and it has grown way beyond that. And so, again, I am incredibly humbled and very thankful. So, uh, I'm excited about today's episode. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, right when it's being published, you know that it is published on Easter Sunday. So, happy Easter to all of you who are listening to this immediately. Uh, happy Resurrection Day. But obviously, for most of you, you will be listening to this after Easter, some point later in the future. And regardless of when you're listening to this, obviously the topic at hand is very, very important. I started this in our last episode that that we published, episode 46, and I promised in that episode that we would start a mini-series. In that episode, um, I started off talking about the historical evidences that the resurrection, uh, you know, was known about by people in the first century. You know, there are some people that would say there's no evidence that the that the resurrection was, you know, that was even believed by people in the in the first or second century, and I had Dr. John Morris on uh, to to discuss that and talk about that. So, so obviously we were able to to tackle that, and I, I promise that over the next several episodes we would we would tackle topics or you know surrounding the resurrection. And so today I want to answer the question: um, Could the disciples have fabricated the idea that Jesus rose from the dead? Right. So in our previous episode we dove into the topic that that you know there is evidence that his believers believed that he had rose from the dead, right? We have Josephus and others writing about these Christians, these followers of Jesus, that they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But the fact that they believed it doesn't necessarily serve as evidence, right? The fact that they believe something happened doesn't necessarily guarantee that it actually did happen. So the question, you know, then comes up, is it plausible that they actually fabricated this? Like did all the disciples get together after Jesus died and they say, hey, let's, let's, uh, you know, let's make up this fact. We want the movement to continue. We'll just tell everyone that he actually, you know, that he, that he rose from the dead. Um, so is it possible that they just lied about it and, and made it up? I'm gonna give you two reasons why I think that is completely illogical. Okay. Um, before I do that, I will concede, you know, is it possible that they all got together and made it up? I guess it's possible, right? But but let's be honest. Like when we really begin to consider the facts, it seems completely illogical. L- let me give you a quick example. How do we know that George Washington was the first president of the United States? Like how do we know that? None of us were there. There's no one alive on planet Earth today that was alive at that time. So how do we know that George Washington was the first president of the USA? We know because people who witnessed it, who lived during that time period, wrote it down. They documented it, right? And we have lots of people documenting things from the era in which they live. And we trust that they 
wrote it down accurately. Now, is it possible that George Washington never even lived, that he was a fake, and that everyone who lived in the 1700s, they all got together and he came up with this mass conspiracy? And they said, okay, let's lie to everyone and tell them that George Washington is a real person and he's the president. But it's truly not true. Like, is it possible that they did that? Well, I guess it's possible. But is it logical? Is it realistically, uh, you know, is that a realistic option that that's how it went down? In light of the the writings and the documentation, no, of course not. Now, I will concede my metaphor is a little bit flawed because we have way more documentation about George Washington than we do about Jesus in the first century. I, I will I will give you that. However, in comparison to the other people of the first century, we have way more documentation about Jesus than we do anyone else. You know, example, Julius Caesar, you know, we none, no one doubts that Julius Caesar existed, but we only have about 10 documents that actually point to his existence. With Jesus, we have more than 5,000. Like it's it's not even close, right? And so this idea that it was potentially fabricated um goes against logic because there was so many documents that pointed to a real man named Jesus, okay? It's it's overwhelming. And the two overarching reasons that stand out to me as to why I don't believe that the documents are fabricated, that it wasn't a conspiracy to make up a lie, uh, is twofold. Number one, the first people to see Jesus resurrected from the dead were two women, now, this may not seem like a big deal, but this is a monumental deal because in that day, women had almost no value, okay, all throughout the Roman Empire. But particularly when it came to being an eyewitness amongst the Jewish people, women had even less value than they did in other parts of the Roman Empire. In fact, in most cases, women were not even allowed to testify. And if they did, it took two women to equal the the witness of one man right so if if two women were were testifying and one man was testifying and you know to a different thing well that was considered equal it wasn't two against one it was considered one-on-one because each woman was only only considered half a person when it came to their court of law but the fact that the gospels all four gospels point to the fact that women were the first to see jesus um or excuse me, they were the first to know about the resurrection and the first to begin to proclaim it is really absurd in, in a lot of ways. Um, if you were fabricating the story, you would not fabricate the story in that way, okay? If you were going to make up the story, you would make it up with facts that made sense to get people to believe you, all right? So the reason why we see women talking about the resurrection first is because they were actually the first ones. Like, like the gospel writers feel the need. They feel obligated to be truthful, right? So they, they write down the facts as they actually took place. And it just so happens that it was women who were the first to talk about the resurrection. If you were fabricating the story in the first century, there is no plausible way that you would have done it this way. This is not, it doesn't make, it's absolutely absurd. You would not do this, okay? So the fact that the gospel writers are writing that the, that women were the first to to see the resurrection or to know about the resurrection and the first to begin to talk about the resurrection uh, proves in part that they were being honest because no one would have scripted it in that manner. The second thing I want to point out, and, and this one is much, much grander than the first one. This is way bigger. It is that the apostles all died gruesome, brutal deaths. Okay. Um, of course, we all know about Judas, and I talked about him in a previous episode. 
But we all know that uh, besides Judas, the other 11 apostles, all of them suffered incredible persecution, okay? Most of them at some point were tortured, arrested, and 10 out of the 11 were eventually uh, murdered in some brutal way because of what they were claiming. And the one guy that, that didn't uh, die at, a, at the hands of you know a brutal martyr, martyring, was John, who was arrested, tortured, was put, was boiled in oil, didn't die, and then was exiled to the island of Patmos, was, you know, by himself, and it was from the island of Patmos where he actually eventually wrote the book of Revelation. Later in his life, he ends up getting off the island of Patmos and ends up serving as a, as an elder and pastor, um, you know, toward the later years of his life and, and, you know, dies as an old man. But, for the most part, the apostles suffered incredible uh, pain, suffering, torment, torture, arrest, you know, oppression, all, all of the above, and eventually death. And in every case, 100% of the cases, it is because they claimed to have seen Jesus resurrected from the dead because they believe that Jesus was God. Now, we understand like we said in our previous episode, the fact that they believed it doesn't make it true, right? The fact that you believe something doesn't make it true. The fact that I believe something doesn't make it true. That's, that's not what makes it true. But you have to be honest when you're critiquing, considering the, the life of the apostles. Is it plausible that these men in separate places at separate times would all end up dying for their faith and not one of them be honest if it had been fabricated? Right. Like, let's say Jesus died and never resurrected from the dead. And a few days later, the disciples get together and they say, listen, we want the movement to continue. Or they say, listen, we don't want to look stupid that we were following Jesus and he turned out not to be who we said he was. So let's let's lie that he said he rose from the dead and we'll keep preaching this. OK, let's say that's how it went down. Don't you think at some point when one of those guys is being beaten in prison that one of them may go, OK, time out. Time out. OK, we, we made it all up. We made it up. We lied. No, like, wouldn't it have happened when, when Thomas is in India or, or when Peter is in Rome in prison about to get crucified upside down? Like, wouldn't you think one of these guys at some point would stand up and say, hey, we, we, we lied. We made it up. We, I'm sorry. Please stop beating me. Please take me out of this vat of boiling hot oil. Like, that just seems logical, right? It, is it logical that not one of them would have you know, would have squealed at some point. In addition to the disciples, not only did the disciples see him, but we, we learned from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians that actually Jesus actually appeared to many people, both individually, in small groups, and in a large group setting, and he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. And all of these people ended up being a part of the church, and we see in the book of Acts over and over again, these people being beaten, arrested, and then eventually, in many cases, murdered and martyred, right? Like, these people end up seeing the, the, the seeing the resurrection they see Jesus and they, they can't they, you know if, if, if these people had made it up at some point someone would have said something right if, if Paul says listen he appeared to more of a, more than 500 people it, more than half of which are still alive to this day when he was writing at first you know he's writing you know in, in you know 50 something AD 20 years after the resurrection he's writing first Corinthians you would think you know, if Paul is willing to make that claim, he is confident that those people literally did indeed see Jesus raised from the dead. Listen, if it was conspired, if it was fabricated, that means that all 500 of these people were all in on it, okay? They're all in on it. They have to keep this conspiracy, this lie together. So when Paul writes to the Corinthians, 
he's got to be confident they're all going to keep their mouths shut, that no one's going to rat him out on the lie he's telling. Like, come on. Like, we all know. Listen, we've all... We, all of us have, tr- have asked someone to keep a secret. Like All of us have gone to some friends and say, listen, don't tell anybody. And what ends up happening? Somebody tells somebody, right? Like The idea that humans are good at keeping secrets is ridiculous. There may be some people that are somewhat good at it, but for the most part, most humans are not very good at keeping secrets. If it had been fabricated, if it was a conspiracy led by the disciples, the apostles, to lie about the resurrection of Jesus... Somebody would have said something. Someone would have come forward, especially when they are being murdered and beaten and tortured and arrested. All right, when The first time a dad sees his daughter being dragged away in front of him, that dad's going to stand up and say, wait, 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 we made it up. It was a lie. It was fabricated. I'm sorry. Right? Like, it's illogical. It is absolutely absurd and asinine to believe that a bunch of humans conspired to fabricate the resurrection of Jesus and that no one said anything and everyone kept their mouths shut, even in the face of incredible pain and persecution. To believe that is to deny human nature. You and I both know how humans function because we are humans. We know how humans do what humans do. And to believe that the apostles and the early Christians fabricated the resurrection is to fly in the face of everything we know about how humans function. It's just simply not rational. What is more rational is those people literally did see Jesus Christ raised from the dead. More than 500 of them on multiple occasions saw Jesus and they didn't fabricate it, but they were actually telling the truth. And in the face of persecution, when people are saying, deny your faith, they're, look, they're, they're thinking to themselves, I don't want to die. I don't want to face this. But how can I lie? I'm telling you the truth. I'm giving you what I know to be true. They knew it to be true. They died for it. And that's how we can be confident that it wasn't fabricated by the apostles. Now, I know some people out there will say, well, Kenny, we have people all throughout history that die for, for ideas that are wrong, right? And, uh, you know, we have people dying after world war ii we have nazis that were arrested that were willing to die because they believed that the nazis were right like we have people dying for ideas all the time in world history but you gotta remember the apostles and the early disciples and the early christians that suffered persecution they weren't dying or facing pain for an idea right people die for ideas all the time throughout human history some ideas noble some not so noble okay that's not the point the, the early Christians were not facing persecution for an idea. They were facing persecution for an event. The apostles were not dying for an idea. They were dying for an event. And there's no one in human history that has ever known for a, of an event to not have happened and still be willing to die for it. Okay? If you know something did not happen, you're not going to go to your grave lying that it did happen. Okay? Like, that's not rational. Like Maybe there's a few people that are delusional and, and psychotic that, that would do that. Is it plausible that more than 500 people that would have done that? Like, is that realistic? If you're honest, if you're objective, the answer is clear. Of course it's not rational. The only logical explanation is that they did indeed physically see the resurrected Jesus. And that, my friends, is awesome. And everything we know about the Christian faith is founded upon the resurrection. It is the linchpin of the Christian faith. They saw Jesus risen from the dead. They wrote it down. They documented it. We have thousands of documents that point to that. They, they preached it. They lived for it. And they died for it. 
And you, my friend, and I, both of us, can be confident that Jesus Christ did indeed raise from the dead. Thanks for listening to this episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I am, again, like I said, always so grateful and humbled by all our listeners. I sure hope this has been helpful and insightful and encouraging to you. If you have any questions about this episode or any episode, please feel free to shoot me an email. I've actually been getting a lot more emails recently and have started to prepare for episodes uh, to address a lot of the questions I've been getting by email. So I'm excited about that. If you have a question that you'd like to have answered on the podcast, please shoot me an email. Hey Ortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H E Y O R T I Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm a